If you've been listening to Cold Weather Bats over the last two seasons, then you know about Prospect Center. If you're a baseball player trying to get better, this is the spot for you. Located in Clinton Township off of Hall Road, Prospect Center is a training facility specific to baseball that is available to all levels of ball players and teams. Their mission is to help develop baseball players into not only great teammates, but great players, along with preparing them to be ready for whichever level they are striving to get to, whether that's high school baseball, college baseball, and even the pros. Owners Nick Capaferi and Mike Rice are former summer ball teammates and former college baseball players, and they've developed a program based on your needs and their past experiences. Mike, the director of baseball operations, is the current head coach at Cardinal Mooney High School. They're currently on a run of back-to-back regional championships with one state finals appearance in 2021. On top of that, Mike Rice also coaches in the USPBL, a professional baseball organization in Utica, Michigan that plays at Jimmy John's Field. Prospect Center's sole goal is to help their Detroit Prospects travel program get to the next level. They have a ton of relationships with college programs and a very high success rate of getting those players into college programs. If you have any questions, or needs regarding Prospect Center, shoot Mike Rice a DM on Twitter at MikeRice02. Again, that is Prospect Center in Clinton Township. Welcome into another brand new episode of Cold Weather Bats. It's Wednesday night, late March. Brandon and Brian hanging out. We got some cool guests lined up for you to talk a little bit later. We're actually not going to talk too much, if at all, about Michigan high school baseball this week. But anyways, welcome into the show. Brandon, good to see you, sir. How's spring break going? Uh, it's been terrible. Um, we were supposed to have uh, you know, some optional hitting stuff. It just hasn't happened, which kind of sucks weather's been terrible um so yeah it sucked because the weather sucks and that is definitely not something i'm surprised about but when you see every other school in your state in florida getting better not all of them you get a little envious no not all of them in fact i don't even know if any of them are well wine dots in kentucky but i'm trying to think who's down river i don't know i got no idea i don't know maybe i think some coaches are but i don't know if the team went down there or not maybe Maybe, but anyway, yeah, no, uh, maybe we'll go uh, on a trip next year or sometime soon, but uh, but yeah, outside of that, it's just been bad weather here. How about you? Yeah, man, I've tried to see the same kids pitch for three days in a row, and the game has gotten banged each day at a mm-hmm. progressively later time. So like Monday, game got banged at like 10 a.m. I was like, okay, dope. Yesterday, game got banged at like 12.30. I was like, that's still fine. Today, a 5 p.m. start got banged at 4.20. And I was like, it's a good thing this this school is 15 minutes from the house because if I was halfway there, like on an hour drive, I would have been pissed. But like, I can't even tell you how many times I've been, you know, over the years, like on the back roads of like Southern Kentucky trying to get to name a place normal illinois like i don't know and then the game's banged and, and you got to pivot and all of a sudden you're in cincinnati and, and hotel <laughs> screwed up and like it's life on the road man but it's life on the road dependent on weather is tough obviously but uh either way man um we've had some games you know like rice is off to a good start they're two and oh uh mary's beat howell in a very close game five to four the other day 
Um, I know we've had some, obviously you talked about the weather. There's been some games that were scheduled this week, even that, that have gotten pushed and uh, league games. In fact, Catholic league is going to open on Saturday, I think. Um, I know the big, the big opening weekend series is, is rice and CC. I don't know the exact Catholic league schedule, but that's happening Saturday, rice and CC. That's a big matchup. Obviously they'll play at least four times. Um, but yeah, man, I, you know, seen some clubs off to good starts. Uh, Bay city, John Glenn's two and Oh, I think they had two mercy wins the other day. It, you know, nothing really to like analyze it's pre it's still like you can kind of it's the regular season i understand that but you can kind of still look at this like spring training the games count the games matter but coaches can figure some things out with their rotation that they maybe didn't have figured out before the season blah 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 blah. there's a lot of like um settling pieces still to do with running up into leagues starting and i I think the catholic league might start even a little bit before most of the other leagues but either way like the first week two weeks of the season with spring break involved there's a lot of shuffling parts so like brandon i mean you're the one doing it tell the folks at home like you know no one enters no one is going to play most of their games for the most part with the same lineup they have on opening day so you know like kind of speak to that that shuffling figuring things out figuring roles for guys blah 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 yeah, I think we're in a unique situation because we have no JV team this year. We only had, you know, we only had 20 kids try out for the whole program, which is like a huge drop off from last year. Um, but not a regular for girls, you know, it's, it's, it's a small school, only about like 500 ish kids. So, you know, seldom do you get two really big varsity and JV teams there. Um, you know, traditionally they'll have like 12 at most usually on their JV team. So, you know, with that in mind, uh, you know, no JV team this year. We took three freshmen, and those three freshmen are, you know, they're players that we really see making an impact for us in the next couple of years and guys we really, we really didn't want to say no to. And, you know, we were in a um, we were in a spot where we want – we can't say no to development. We can't say no to getting guys better long term. Um, but, you know, we were dealt a tough hand, and so were they because they should be getting more reps as freshmen on, you know, on JV or – um, but they get thrown in with the Wolves, and it's cool. Now, what's unique about that is that, you know, our lineup is – our team is very young, very young. I mean, we have two seniors and a lot of juniors and sophomores, but especially sophomores, um, you know. So we're in a youth movement where not only did I get the job on the 15th of February and have to figure out who these kids are, but also like all of the things that is told you are true. So our lineup is like a game of Uno. You know, you're gonna get a wild card plus four like every every day and it could be different. And I'm just flip flopping, experimenting, seeing who fits where. You know, there's um we don't have any like I think Caleb Jones is maybe like a guy who could be like a true power hitter gap to gap guy. Don't know if he's at right now like as a sophomore. I think like that that is the power potential is certainly there. I mean he had a triple in the second game. Um, you know, so we have that guy who like kind of sticks in the middle of our order. And aside from that, we have a lot of guys who like are, are good bat to ball hitters, but none of them are like, none of them are like you show up to the game and you know exactly where they're going to be in the lineup quite yet as a coach who's just met them, you know? So <laughs> we're definitely shuffling a ton with our lineup and they know that. And they, you know, it's a very like honest, transparent environment. Everybody who listens to the show probably should know that about both of us, I would say, as coaches, there's no secrets. Everybody kind of understands where they're at. So, yeah, man, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't imagine what it's like coaching St. Mary's, for instance, or like Brother Rice or CC or 
uh, Gross Point North or Gross Point South. Gross Point South has like what fourteen seniors on their team. Yeah. Uh, on top of like a host of juniors as well, and uh, Dilladovic or however you say his last name, the, the sophomore is like super super good himself. Um, but also like Ben Demzalski is a captain and he's an excellent catcher. So there's a lot of things there where you're making, you have better players, but you're making really tough decisions, uh, especially, you know, at a place like we just mentioned, like Mary's and everything. So, yeah, man, it's a, it's definitely the biggest challenge is like, what's my lineup going to be? How am I going to make it? It's crazy. It's like the whole, <laughs> the managerial side of it, right? Everything else is an extension, but that, that, I mean, that's the most fun part. I think everything else is the stuff where it's like, you got to grind. Making a lineup is like, show up and do it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, change it the next day. You get about 35 attempts at it. So, It's like uh, you mentioned Mary's and like those bigger schools, man. Like even even those schools, like, you know, I, Mary's was, was very senior heavy last year as far as senior heavy at Mary's goes. And it still wasn't 14. You know what I mean? Like the – I, I think Rice is going to run into that in 2024 with as many seniors in that class as they'll have or whatever it is. But like for the most part in my years there, it was it was stacked well. Like, you know, you, we talk about the 2022 class. Obviously, like that's probably the best single high school class from any high school class ever with the exception right. of like the what was it? Um Harvard Westlake team that had like Giolito and Freed and Jack Flaherty or whatever, like that, that maybe that one's better, but like either way, you know what I'm trying to say? Right. But like I said, even that class, it's, that wasn't 15 guys. You know, there were a bunch of players who contributed last year who are on the team again this year because they weren't seniors. So I, I think like it's a positive when you have that, but like you had better, you better have done a good job of developing the juniors and the sophomores. And, and if you have freshmen on your varsity doing that too, or developing them on JV or whatever it is, because the second that that class leaves, there's holes everywhere. And if you've done a good job of developing, then they aren't really that big of holes necessarily. You can fill right. them easier. But um, the point being like the second, the second that club leaves and you go right up the lineup card and you're looking at your pitching rotation, you're like, man, 12 blank spaces, huh? You know, or whatever. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah, it's, uh, man, managing is like the last thing you think about when you're a coach in high school because there are so many other things you have to do in between, like, first of all, the, the off season and then the first game. Like, you go from, from, I mean, I didn't have an off season. I showed up like three weeks ago. But speaking from the perspective of like coaching high school baseball for the last, you know, nearly a decade and seeing like what the high, what the head coaches have to do and understanding of the job. Like you're hardly ever worried about your lineup until it's time to set your lineup. Now you're always thinking about it, like in the back of your mind and like you're having the conversation with your staff, like in the days leading up to the games. Sure. But you don't write that. I mean, I would say nine out of 10 coaches don't write their lineup at least for the first few games until they get there, unless they're like absolutely sure of what's going on. And they have a lot of guys returning from last year and they have a lot of familiarity with what they have from like a personnel standpoint. You're almost always just, um, you're almost always just showing up and like, all right, I know what I got one through whatever. And let's talk with the staff, you know, about what we can do there because you could have a game on Wednesday. And if on Monday you're putting X, Y, and Z player at six, seven, eight, and then some guy who had, started on the bench the last few days just has his lights out practice and had a nice game on Saturday during the double header like he, he started the second game and went like three for four I mean it's very interchangeable the whole 
I've been saying this to our team and I think you'll echo it. Like the whole point of the regular season is just like, what is going to work come June? Like what, what is the best, what is the best lineup I have in June and stressing out about what your lineup is for your Tuesday league game is certainly something I think that's unavoidable for any coach. But the bigger picture is like finding out in between a and B. And then when you get to that, when you get to June, it's like, all right, I've seen this guy at the plate a hundred times. I know what's going to happen here. We're going to maximize as much as we can with each spot here. And, and then you're, and then you're in a spot where you're kind of good to go. And that lineup is set before that first district game. But I mean, dude, the first five games of the year, first 10 games of the year, first 15 games of the year, depending on your team, right? It's just, it gets experimental. And then you hit that like mid season lull maybe. And then it just, do you get right back to the drawing board? You might be really sure of it after 10 games. You might not know what the hell's going on after 20. It's just kind of how it goes. So uh, um, we did a bad job of housekeeping again. So here's a little <laughs> bit of a here's a little mid roll housekeeping for you folks. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media at Coldweatherbats on Instagram and Twitter, um, and please like, rate, and review the show. I'm not going to go into the big deal every week about it, but you know it it helps us out. It gets us more viewership. More viewership equals more sponsorship dollars we can ask for. More sponsorship dollars equals more revenue. More revenue equals more cool shit we can do. Like the fantasy draft, for example, or going to the convention, like, you know, that's all stuff that costs us personally money. So like, whatever, uh, the point being, please support the show by doing that. But anyways, um, Brandon, we're going to, like we said, man, we're going to talk about some college ball. I liked our little lineup construction, early season conversation we had there. Um, going to just kind of quickly go through, maybe not all that quickly, but quickly go through, uh, teams in the state that are playing well or how all the teams in the state are playing, even if it's not so well. Um, and then we're excited to welcome a couple guests to the show later on. They are going to be in different segments. It's not both of them at once because that's too much to handle. Um, of course, we're talking about Nolan Schubart and Ike Irish, uh, both of St. Mary's, both of uh, college baseball stardom as freshmen, um, we're looking forward to talking to them both, obviously, and, and looking forward to them sharing their insights, uh, obviously, with how hot a starts they're off to, where they're doing it at. I mean, unbelievable stuff. Uh, truly unbelievable stuff. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I mean, college baseball, I haven't seen these guys play yet. I will. Um, I would assume that by the end of the season, I will have seen at least Michigan, Michigan State, like CMU and probably Oakland, you know, like I'll probably see all those four. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a reason for me to see Western or Eastern yet, but uh, depending on matchups, blah, 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 blah. The point being, I don't, I haven't seen these guys yet other than on TV, but uh, no one really running away with anything in D one in the Michigan, in Michigan, if you want to put it that way. Um, Michigan is obviously the, the story here uh, just because they are the University of Michigan, but under a new coaching staff, Tracy Smith is in, Eric Backage is out, and Eric Backage kind of burned the bridges when he left. Um, right. Burned the boats, whatever it is. I, I don't I don't even – I'm, like, not even shitting on Backage. I would have done the same thing. Like, that's modern college baseball. Like, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I, it's the same thing in every sport. I, I don't want to hear it about like, – Well, look like, at his field there and look at his facilities there. Yeah. No, his, I'm athletic, talk- his athletic director wants to support him. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about what he did to the recruiting class as well as the. Oh yeah. yeah, you know, like, but like, hey man, that's pay him. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, pay, him. Oh. I, I don't, <laughs> pay him. Pay him. You talk about hardball. You talk about hardball. 
<laughs> so anyways, I, we expected Michigan to be down a little bit this year. It was always going to be a rebuilding year. Um, that class of 2022 that they had coming in did not come in with the exception of a couple guys. Uh, Greg Pace being one of them from Edison, who is playing. Uh, he's not playing every day, but he's playing. It's kind of a platoon situation there in center field. Um, but he's doing the same stuff we've always seen from him, defending really well. What an incredible athlete. He's got some power still with the hit tool coming along, but it's it's a good sign that he's playing early, regardless of where he would have went. So I think Arrow still pointed up next to Pace's name. Um, but Michigan is 13-11. and 11. Uh, They've had some, some tough losses. Uh, if you want to, you know, Oakland went into Ann Arbor and beat them. Akron went into Ann Arbor and beat them. Um, you know, Bradley went into Ann Arbor and beat them once. It's been just okay. But the point being, I think it was always going to be just okay. And that in and of itself is okay. Yeah, no, I think this is kind of like pretty much what we expected. And I think like any like team that you want to be good and you just want them to be better than they are, but the whole season leading up to it, you're talking about how it's probably not going to go as well as it went before. Um I mean, Michigan's situation is a bit unique in that, like, we just everything we just talked about. I mean, new coach, practically a new roster, some holdovers, but not many. The pitching was rough last year. They weren't able to add a lot of guys this year to, to improve that. Um, it's a long-term thing, right? I think when they hired Tracy Smith, they kind of knew Beckich took so much with him. And therefore, there's a lot to there's a lot of there's a lot of holes to plug in, and we'll mm-hmm. see if they plug them in. But so far, that hasn't happened. But uh, but uh, you know, there's still I mean, just hey, look, at the end of the day, like, yeah. postseason is postseason. Yep, yep. But just off the top of my head, I you know we're going to talk to one of the guys who was going to be in that 22 class in Schubert. He's at Oklahoma State. Crichton's at Clemson. Um, Chapansky is at Virginia Tech. Uh, the shortstop. Uh, from the current roster, Bertram is gone. Willie Weiss is gone. You know, guys graduated, blah, 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 blah. It's a different roster this year. They're not performing all that well necessarily. Uh, you know, there's some guys doing some okay things, like Kurt Barsing. Some innings there, obviously, from Liggett. Um, Brandon Mann's back, Dylan, playing baseball again. Brandon Mann's back. We talked about him. Dylan Stanton, a uh, kid from uh, on the west side, is, is playing pretty well and in a part-time role. But uh, most of their guys right now that are that are doing the heavy lifting are from out of state. Gabe Sotras from Brother Rice is doing most of the catching. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, we can move on from Michigan. Moving on to Michigan State, who is having a better year. They're 14-8. and eight. Uh, They actually beat Michigan on opening day in Arizona, which is kind of weird, but, but still, I'm sure, fun for them. Um, they got off to a hot start in conference. They took a series from Purdue last weekend. They got to go to Rutgers this weekend, which – and I'll tell the folks at home if you haven't been paying attention. Rutgers is now pretty good at baseball. It happened last year. It happened suddenly. I still am not used to it either. But anyways, Rutgers pretty solid at baseball. That should be a good series, good test for them, especially on the road. Um, but they, amongst – you know, n- not in, obviously comparing them to Michigan – MSU is doing it with a lot more Michigan-born guys. There's a lot of Michigan blood on this team performing in a good way so far early, and maybe not early, but what, what are we, 30% through the way, through the season? Um, Trent Farquhar from Lakeland having a great year per usual, hitting 389, 12 doubles, same amount of walks and strikeouts. He's on base all the time. He's a great defender at second base. I think that we've talked about it on the show before, but I think Ryan McKay at St. Mary's is a, is a really good comp 
uh, to Farquhar. Um, I think McKay's a little more athletic, but the point being, uh, really, really productive left-handed bat who's going to lock down a middle infield position and be a great college player. Like that's, I see similar futures there. But of course, Farquhar's having a good year. Uh, Mitch Jeb is the is the prospect there right now. I, you know, Brock Vandenberg is hitting 450 for them, but that that kid's from California, so we're not going to talk about him. Um, Mitch Jeb is the prospect there, just okay so far. Not bad, but uh, but kind of needs to light the world on fire a little bit more because I thought that dude was a first rounder coming into the year and. Um, anyways, but you know, uh, Jake Dresselhaus from, from, uh, St. Mary's is starting to play more and more as, as the season goes on. Uh, Jacob Anderson from Notre Dame prep has seen some time early as a freshman, Dylan Kark, uh, another St. Mary's veteran. He was the closer and shortstop on the 2019 state champion team. He's having a good year, his best year so far there at MSU as a senior, um, but yeah, man, Michigan State off to a pretty solid start. We'll see in conference. That's the story of college baseball, right? Like we'll find out in conference. Um, yeah. But either way, off to a good start there in Lansing and, and uh, East Lansing. Pardon me. Um, and I, that's cool for everyone. That's cool for the state. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was one of those things where we were kind of waiting on that program to turn the corner. And I think that they did a really good job recruiting over these last couple of years, and they definitely did a good job taking advantage. I mean. Maybe it's just like happenstance or like just, you know, divine intervention type of deal where timing just is, is just luck timing. But like Michigan State did a really good job recruiting in 2023 in the same year where Michigan kind of got drowned in 2022 and 2023 by backage leaving. And so the byproduct of that is they're playing really well right now, which has nothing to do with 2023. But at the same time, it's like all of a sudden Michigan State, which was a program that was kind of struggling there for, you know, quite a few years, I would say is all of a sudden have this, like, they have a nice upward trajectory where, like, yeah, they're, they're playing really well right now, but, like, they're also are playing I, I, really well, maybe relative, but they're going to continue ascending, I think. And I don't know if you could say that a few years ago. Now, like, Jeb's an amazing player, but he's almost like an anomaly for, like, yeah. any program in Michigan to have, right? Like, a first-rounder of that magnitude. But at the same time, guys like McKay coming in, and like Muzzy is coming in, and they, I mean, Ryan Shapaniak is like a really sneaky Grunman. arm for them, I think, in that class. What was that? Right, again, Grunman's going in. Oh, like, Grunman, they have a yeah. really good 23 class. Jackson Hoffman from the West Side. Their 23 class is really good, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I don't agree. And, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens, man. I think, uh, I think they're definitely in a spot that we, Hadn't seen them in a couple of years, though, where there's a lot of excitement there. And you could tell, I mean, the 23 class had been talking about that, how that was going to happen eventually. And, you know, here we are. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the MAC, of course. Uh, perennial best team in the state, Central Michigan. Uh, <laughs> fire up. Uh, they are 13 and 10. They're 4 and 2 in <laughs> which, is, which is true. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're well, I just think people at home might have thought my laugh was sarcastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, won their first two MAC series, took one from Ohio. Uh, a really, really big one was Kent State came to Mount Pleasant last weekend, and you don't, you don't walk into Mount Pleasant in late March. You don't, you don't walk onto Tennyson Stadium in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, in late March and beat the Chippewas. Okay, <laughs> it's going to be 17 degrees with a firm wind, and we're just going to make you sit in the dugout. Okay, like there's going to be no comfort, blah blah blah. Wear it, baby. This is the north. Um, anyways, moving on from that, CMU beat Kent State two out of three. 
always a fun like that's all, obviously Western is CMU's like rival, but baseball specifically, CMU and Kent State have been kind of the class of the MAC for the last fifteen years. If you really maybe probably the last ten years, fifteen years, twelve years, something like that, uh, CMU and Kent State have always been very very near the top of Mac baseball standings, but Chippewa's playing well. I've seen that Evan Waters, the freshman lefty from Lake Orion, who we both really liked last year, he's getting some key innings for them uh, on the mound in relief. Always something that's positive for career development is earning the trust of, of your coaching staff right away to fill important mm-hmm. innings. And he's done that. Um, Cole Prout, who we both again, liked last year, we liked CMU's class last year, Trevor Buson from Clarkson's there too. Um, but Prout's playing some, uh, either way, they were going to have to replace a lot of pitching. Andrew Taylor's gone. Also heard he looks like a number two starter in camp this this spring. But anyways, Andrew Taylor's gone. Um, Jordan Patty's gone, who was there since I, I think I was there. But uh, needed to replace pitching. They're having a little bit of bumps in the road with it, which was expected. No one's going to be as good as Andrew Taylor was. But still, I, I would imagine they're in the running for best team in the MAC. It's probably going to come back down to them, Kent State and Ball State, if I had to guess. But uh, Brandon, any thoughts on the chips? No, I don't know anything about the chips. Unfortunately, right. I think you covered it all. You, you. This is the part where you're much better than I am at this. If you guys want to talk about how good my uh, Tigers team is in the show, don't because it's, it's not going to. In real life, it would be amazing, but unfortunately, in the simulation, it's not. Uh, it's not going as planned. We're hitting 2025 with high hopes. Uh, Spencer Torkelson just hit six bombs and 278 at bats. Hopefully, it doesn't come to fruition in real life. But here we go. So, but as far as the chips go, I don't have much to offer. Coach Bischel's a pretty great coach, though. I do, I do appreciate what he does. Definitely. Um, all right, Western. Let's go on to the to the natural and state rival. Western not having a great year. Uh, five and seventeen, two and four in the MAC. Not what you want. They had the um, the distinct pleasure of being the very first sacrificial lamb to the LSU Tigers this year. They went down and opened the season in Alex Box Stadium and. Just had to run through that machine for a few days, but either way, uh, shouts out to him that that you know, I I wouldn't have been excited to go personally. But anyways, <laughs> uh, Will, their best player this year offensively has been Will Morrison. He's a redshirt junior. He's a Liggett grad, Clinton Township, Michigan alum. He's sitting three seventy three. Leads their team in a lot of offensive categories. Um, on the mound, uh, it's kind of an ugly sight. Team ERA of. Boy, that's over 10. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and skip right past the pitchers, and we're going to move on to the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Uh, They they are 11 and 10, um, 4 and 5 in conference. They've played three conference weekends to date. Uh, Yeah, in the MAC, I think some teams have played two, some teams have played three. Um, But either way, 4 and 5, sitting at right around 500 in general. Uh, Eastern Michigan, I think we've said this for a couple years now. I don't know if we ever see them getting to a place where like they're going to run the Mac necessarily, but I think that we are seeing them com- uh, continue to ascend more towards consistent competitiveness and competing to get into that final weekend of Mac play and competing to get into a winner-take-all to the NCAA tournament. Like one of those things. I think we're, we're seeing that there. I think that coaching staff has done a good job kind of blending the um, the Juco route, as well as highlighting some guys around the area, specifically in Michigan, uh, they're hitting well as a team. Uh, you know, it's it just uh, kind of kick, 
clicking through stats here. It looks like they have a bunch of dudes from Ohio, which, you know, as my new home state, I have some respect for, I guess. But uh, Luke Russo leads the team in ERA. He's a Howell guy. Looks like he's operating mostly as their closer, though he's had some starts. 3.86 ERA with 39 punches and 40 innings. Uh, Tyler Helgeson, I remember him from Portage Northern. That was a really good player back in the day. He's, a, he's been a key reliever for them. Was a two-way dude in, in, uh, in high school. Big left-handed power. I think he had a bomb, actually, at McLean in their state championship win. Uh, but moving on from that, Nick Chittum. Remember that name? That's a Red alum. That's a Red cannot, Devil. Cannot claim. However, go Devs. That's, that's a go Devs. Respectfully. Uh, he's, He's got some uh, – he's had a solid season seeing some time, splitting time between relief and starting. Um, but, again, I like what Eastern's done. And we're going to move quickly to uh, friend of the program, program friend of the program, Oakland, of course. They're 8-15, and 15, uh, had a tough weekend down at Wright State, who has historically been the class of the Horizon League, lost a really close game on uh, in their first game in that series. I believe it was a it was either a walk-off or a late innings loss, and then uh, the rest of the weekend kind of got away from them a little bit. But they beat Michigan. They went down to Miami and beat Miami. Took their first series from uh, Youngstown State within conference. Uh, played some competitive games against Wichita State. Played some competitive games against Kansas. Uh, played a lot of competitive games against Lamar. I think it's just Banfield schedule's tough. They played some good teams. I think they'll still figure out a way. Uh, Brandon Nye, their, their kind of star sophomore, figuring some things out in the last couple weeks. I know he was sick for a while, too, but he's headed to the Cape this summer, which is obviously nice. really cool for, for him as well as the program. Um, but if you have sent the email link um, oh, lovely. to yeah. our next guest, we're gonna. I'll just fill some time talking about players on Oakland's roster while you do that. Uh, but our first guest is going to be Nolan Schubart as soon as we get him into the studio. Uh, that should be any minute for Brandon. But anyways, back to Oakland. Um, it's kind of a veteran bunch, a mix of veterans. They're, they're working some young guys in, but uh, a lot of these dudes are fourth and fifth year guys. Again, uh, they've had better pitching this year than, than I thought they had last year, at least in the early going, the offense hasn't quite woken up to where it needs to be, but there's some signs of that returning in recent weeks. Um, you know, just a, a Hunter Pydick, a kid from Troy Athens. He's a sophomore. He's, he's been a really important piece to their rotation. Started the season in the bullpen, pitched quite a bit last year in the bullpen, but now uh, kind of their Saturday starter. And, and he's had some good things going for him. Just a dude who throws a bunch of strikes. Um, Brandon Decker, North Farmington High School. He's a junior. He's a guy who's important to that team. He's thrown a lot of innings. He will continue to throw a lot of innings. Banfield trusts him. Uh, he's a good arm. Just, you know, again, a, a team on the rise, a team that we still haven't seen like a full freshman class come in and get developed there. You know, they had to build it quick with with Portal and Juco. They've done that. They've brought in freshmen along the way. We've talked about how talented their 2023 class is. I think 2024 is off to a really good start as well. Uh, can add some more impact pieces to that. But, uh, you know, either way. Oakland on the rise. I think we'll see them play better as it warms up and conference play is, is more full go. Um, it's always a little weird in the early going with those, the non-cons and got to travel every weekend and blah, 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 blah. But also shouts out to the turf field, man. It looks gorgeous there. Yeah, it does look really good, which is um, well-deserved after what they had to go through for a minute there. So we got them. 
ladies and gentlemen. Nolan Schubart, Oklahoma State, the the danger from Durand, the damage from Durand. What's up, buddy? How are What's you? What's going on? I'm good. How are you guys? It's stupendous. <laughs> good. It's cold. We're not playing as much baseball as you are. No, not. I no, wouldn't not. say so. So, man, I, you know, we're just going to jump right into it. This is not – you're having a killer year so far. Long way to go. Yep. Um, I don't know – I think everybody expected you to be good right away. I don't know if everybody expected you to be this good right away. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yep. Um, what has been the biggest – I don't know if adjustment's the right word, but what did you find in the fall when you got there that has really kind of helped you take your game to a level it's maybe never even been before? I think the biggest two things for me was um, – all the resources we have here want is one. Like I get film after every single game and I'm able to dissect it with uh, my coaches and be able to go through that. And then I think for me is the biggest thing was probably my approach. Um, I know the low ball, I can hit a mile and that's where I get my most leverage, but it's also tends to be my biggest chase pitch. So I cut that pitch out pretty much until I have two strikes. So change-ups that I used to chase. Um, I'm not chasing anymore. I'm attacking higher up, and it's allowing me to get pitches that I can drive. Um, But also just the work that we put in consistently every day, and I found a routine that works, and it's been helping me create the success that I have. You said the word routine, and, you know, that's something that, like, pops up a ton for us, I would say, with high school kids. And obviously, you're pretty closely removed from, from being in high school. So, you know, if you're talking like a high school kid's listening to this and they're trying to learn something from you and what you've learned about routine, not just from routine in high school, but now, like, the, how much mm-hmm. have you – Because obviously, no one – like, you, you're an extremely good baseball player. So there's probably a lot of kids listening who maybe don't have the talent that you do, but they're trying to implement that routine. And even for you, as good as you are, between your senior year of high school and now your freshman year of college, your routine has clearly – improved even more so what have you learned about routine now that you would have implemented a year ago i think the biggest thing is, is for like especially like pre-game day it's not like the start of game like everybody says that in high school but like as a high school kid you're ignorant and you don't really believe it and then coming into college i saw the benefits of you know actually going to bed on time like sleep was a huge factor because i don't like waking up tired and then I've been, you know, lifting consistently every morning. So I think the biggest thing is like having a set schedule every day. That way you get into the routine daily. That way your day just kind of flows and you don't have to worry about what you're doing. And then while I'm at the field, um, just baseball wise, I found a routine through a little bit of T work, but I do a lot of flips um, and get my drill work there to help get my timing right and help me stay behind the ball because I tend to either drift forward or pull off the ball. So if I really work on staying behind it, it helps me do a lot better, um, get better success. So I think routine, if you find the right one, is definitely something that can help um, a player succeed and then be comfortable even when they're not feeling confident because they can just go back to their routine and just feel, get right back into it. Talking about routine, and you're talking about, I heard you say, like, how important it is to get enough sleep and important to go to bed early. A lot of high school kids think that they have regimented schedules. 
they think like, Hey, I got to go to school and then I got to go to practice. And then maybe I get a lift in and then I got to do my homework and then I'm going to bed. They think that they live the lifestyle that you're living now. Mm -hmm. Feel free to tell them how they're wrong. Um, so I'll go like on a Friday for us. Cause that's like our busiest day. I would say. So everything is like scheduled out for us basically by times and everything. So Fridays, I'm usually up around 7.45-ish or 7.30 for an 8.30 lift. And then after lift, I'll go get breakfast and try to eat as much as I can in that time period. Um, but by then, it's probably 10.30 when I'm done. And we'll have a 6 o'clock or 6.30 game that night. And I'll get to the field probably around noon. And that entitles me hot tubbing to get the body loose and then going to my training room to get stretched out and do anything I need to work on my body that day. So that's like an hour period. And then after that, normally we'll have pregame lunch at like two, they'll feed us. And so during that, I'll go up and eat at our uh, dining club in our stadium. And then right from there, I'll go to the batting cage from, because we'll normally stretch out like three on those days so i'm probably in the cage from 2 30 to 3 um and then from there on out it's stretch for about 15 minutes you have throw and then we do a basically a whole like pre-practice plan three hours ahead so infielders will go through all their ground ball routine outfielders will either throw to bags on those days or we'll do um like footwork or pop fly work depending on how the wind's playing then that will go off hit BP for an hour from BP. We go inside and watch film on whoever's throwing that day starting wise. And then who we think is coming out of the pen. So that takes 15 minutes. And we got about a half hour to ourselves from about five to five 30. As soon as five 30 hits, we're, right, we're back on the field, reheating and getting ready to attack the, the, um, the game. So you have every single minute regimented, from roughly 7.45 in the morning until 6.30, then you play. Yeah. And then you're doing post-work, whether that's, you know, a a body something, you got to eat again, you know. So even that inclusive, and this is if you're at home. Yeah, this is a home (laughs) regimen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's – but my point being, like, I, you know – I knew that when I was 18, I thought I lived a, a regimented life, senior year of high school or whatever. I didn't, you know. So it, it, it's a point being like, I know you guys in high school think you're working hard. And mm-hmm. a lot of you are, but it doesn't matter how hard you're working. You are going to work harder when you yes. go to college. So yeah. be ready for that. I think that was the biggest change because Alex came, when he came back from his freshman year, he said, you know, like every minute of your practice is regiment is like you scheduled out because in college you only have a specific amount of time of practice that you can get in per week. And, you know, I didn't, you believe them, but like you also don't at the same time because they're so used to the high school practices like that we had. Um, and then you come here and then within our first three days of um, team meeting in the fall, we had the write out our schedule for each day and turn it into our head coach. That way he knew that we were already planning out what we were going to be doing weekly. And so he was having trust in us to get our stuff done. So. Damn, that's crazy. So, I mean, you brought up Alex and for those at home that aren't making the connection, Alex Mooney, he's at Duke. We're talking to Ike Irish after this. He's at Auburn. I mean, 
everybody knows how good your guys' team was, 44 and 0. Mm-hmm. We could have a conversation we could have a conversation all night about about that team, but I mean, what's what's the the brotherhood like thereafter? Like you guys have graduated, you've you've moved on, you're a freshman in high you're a freshman in college now. Um, but you you were a part of a team that was quite literally historic, both mm-hmm. in the state of Michigan and in, and in the country. So, um, you know, what's it like being a part of that, um, not just in high school, but also now thereafter you know, with guys helping you like Alex and how much do you guys communicate? I think I talk with Alex a little bit here and there, not as much anymore, but I talk to Ike pretty consistently, Ike and Brock. Um, Ike I was just closer with just because we lived in the dorms together for two years. But I would say we keep in contact even with some of the guys that are still there and seeing how the program's doing at the time being. And um, our group from Alex to our senior class that we had last year, we had some different style of leaders. And I think looking back, I think that's what helped us the most. And then if guys like ask for it, we can give them the advice that they need for having a leader because we had Ike who was willing to really give it to anybody that needed to hear it, so to say. Um, but then you also <laughs> have like Brock who would lead more of by example and same thing with Jack. Um, but we all talk all a lot because I think those Pat, those last two years, we grew close due to how well we were doing because if we didn't grow close, we weren't going to do that well. And we understood that, especially our senior year. And we saw that more in the playoff run by us. And there's also an element of, you know, we lost 2020. Yeah. You guys were all around. Like that mm-hmm. was a whole lost year where, you know, I probably, you can't say probably, but like favorites for another state championship. Yeah. So, you know, like it, that would have been an unreal team, mm-hmm. but it's, so there's that element of it too. Where we're, and I remember, when we were finally getting going in 21 and, and like that was all anybody could think of was like, I mean, man, that's so good to be back. Oh yeah. So, we were, we were yeah. happy to be back. I think there's an element there of, of everyone remembers what it was like to not have it. Mm-hmm. And now that you do have it back, it was so much like a little bit more important to everyone. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the results followed, but here, a question about the results um, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know you went 87 and one over your last two years. I, I could do the math on the 2019 or whatever, but is that something you hear about in Stillwater, Oklahoma? I heard about it like the first two weeks because guys would ask me where I went and guys that were relevant in high school the past two years or like paid attention to high school ball. They, they saw our high school name everywhere. Um, but really outside of that, I think – Going to college, I mean, yeah, you get the recognition a little bit, but college is so much bigger than high school, than what I perceived it as after even doing the whole circuit, like me and Ike and Brock did. You think high school ball is this like big picture thing. In reality, it's not big at all compared to what college is and then eventually what pro ball is if you're lucky enough to play play pro ball. Um but yeah, guys were more worried about the college side of it. And if a guy transferred from JUCO, if they went from there or to different division one college, I mean, a little bit, I heard a little bit. Yeah. I think the biggest thing was why would you want to live in a dorm? 
That, that was the biggest question I think I got was why did you want to go live in a dorm for years of your life in high school? Uh, and I'm did looking you at your dorm. I'm looking at your dorm right now. I, yours looks a little different than the ones at Mary's. Oh, it's a lot different than the one at Mary's. I spent some. I spent some nights on those beds in the dorms at Mary's. No thanks. Mm-mm. But uh, <laughs> go ahead, Brando. Give him one more. Let's close up shop. I was going to say, uh, whenever they ask you why you stayed in the dorm, I think uh, you have a little bit of some evidence yeah. as to why it's uh, <laughs> it's probably gold plated. Yeah, yeah, I got the a little three bit of blank. With it. <laughs> was it worth worth it? Oh yeah, I I made connections that I would have never made if I didn't go anywhere else. Um, all right, we'll leave them with this, Nolan. What last question for you? What does the rest of the season like look like for you as far as what you personally want to improve upon? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Omaha or bust, right? Yeah, I think it goes without saying team-wise. We want to win the Big 12, of course, and I think we have it within ourselves to do that. Um, I think if we lock in every single game, I know it sounds cheesy, but there's some games where you want to, you don't want to be there. And, but I think if we lock in every day and we play how we can play, because I know there's a different gear we can get to, I will be solid as a team. And we can make a, a run both in the Big 12 tournament and, of course, I think in the regionals, mm-hmm. Super Regional, and then hopefully Omaha. Um, but personally, I think it was just keep staying on track because I think I'm doing pretty well right now for my first year in college ball. So I think, as we were talking about earlier, I think routine is definitely what I got to stay to and keeping a level head because I know media can, you know, bump you up and then it can also bring you down a little bit. So I think uh, keeping the level head and making sure I'm sticking to my routine and staying within myself and playing for the right reasons is definitely what I want to keep doing. Nolan, actually, I have one more question for you. Who's the nastiest guy you've seen this year? Um, am I allowed to include teammates? Absolutely. Jerron was pretty filthy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's – <laughs> I saw him once in the inner squads this spring, and he was – he's gross. <laughs> talking about Jerron Watts Brown, Oklahoma State starter, who's got a chance to be a first rounder this year. We'll see how the rest yeah. of the spring goes. But uh, yeah, that's that's the nastiest guy. I saw some video of uh, you taking at bats against him from the fall. Uh, yeah, he's he's something. <laughs> he's he's got a slider that I haven't seen before. <laughs> different. It's yes. different. And he's developed his change up too, which is making him even more dangerous. Nolan Schubart, thanks for hanging out with us, buddy. Congratulations you on your me. start so far. Keep kicking ass. We're, we're looking forward to watching you the rest of the way. Thank you. Have a good night, buddy. You as well. Good luck, Nolan. Thank you. All right. So uh, that was a pretty good conversation. Nolan, I, I yeah, think no, that was good. Some- Shared some important insights, especially guys, players listening, uh, you know, listen to what he has to say about how different it will be next year. And yes, he plays at a power five, you know, we spend a lot of money on baseball type of place, but it doesn't matter. Like you could go to Juco or D3 or NAIA or Vanderbilt 
and you're you do not have as much time as you think you have you have way more free time now than you will ever have next year and if you don't think you have much weight uh but either way (laughs) even if you don't play college baseball if you're in high school you have more free time right now than you will ever have for the rest of your human existence like this is the most time you have to do the things that like you enjoy doing recreationally than you will ever have in like the history of your life so do with it as much as you can eventually you'll be old like us and you'll be like dang it'd be nice if i had like enough time to breathe but uh, unfortunately i just am going to go to bed because it's 11 o'clock and that's it for the day for me like I us mean, like, recording I, a podcast at 9 34 <laughs> yeah i mean like i you know we all know we're, we both work a lot blah 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 even we have more free time than these guys Oh, you from a college I mean? baseball perspective, yeah. sure. I just mean even even <laughs> as a high school from a high schooler's perspective, when you're oh, in yeah. high school, you'll never have more free time than you'll have while you're in high school, regardless of whether you play college baseball or college chess or you're just a student or you go to trade school or if you just don't do anything for a year, like maybe that's more free time. But outside of that, like if you're if you're grinding and there's something that you're doing, whether it's being a college student and a college uh, employee and, or a college athlete or all three at the same time, like you will never have as much time in your life than you have right now in high school, regardless of whatever you're doing thereafter. So at least that's I think that's the that's the synopsis and the I would say that's everybody's opinion. Also, I want to add in that uh, Nolan Schubert had the hardest hit ball I've ever seen in a high school game my life at least like live uh when they were playing west bloomfield in 2022 and he hit a ball to space that way i mean like if anyone's ever been to west bloomfield there's like a whole thing of woods behind the right field fence and that dude cleared those trees like cleared the woods insane yeah couldn't i i my it was Ball was hit hard. Ball was hit hard. And then I watched him hit a ball for Oklahoma State, like 450 feet or wherever that was. And I was like, oh, maybe that one was harder. 467, I think, is the the current mark for him this year. And it was oppo. It was an oppo alley bomb, too, I think. So You're never too good to go oppo, folks, for all the kids at home. If you can hit a ball 467 feet to the opposite field, number one, you should tell me. Um, and number two... <laughs> <laughs> number two okay you're allowed to have an opposite field approach everyone else has to get the barrel out um but anyways yeah i mean we're still uh we're gonna wait a little while longer on mr irish uh, brandon we're i don't know man you want to play like question popcorn or something for the folks sure you want to uh, quiz me on what it's like to be uh our head coach for the first time That's yeah kind of, yeah, that yeah. Was like yeah yeah no no, no 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 i got a couple questions for you All you're right, you're um what two months into being hired? Maybe a little more than that. No, <laughs> I wish only a month. <laughs> I just hit you're my a month, month into. You're a month into being hired. Okay, um, that's right. I kind of forgot. A month into being Anyways. hired, and I'm about to eat a uh, Dunkin' Munchkin while we're talking here. Okay, no, I'm not. Those are rock hard. Okay, this one's not. Keep going. So you are uh, a month into being a high school head coach for the first time. What mm-hmm. has been? This is two parts of one question. What has been the most positively surprising experience and what has been the most negatively surprising experience? And without getting yourself in trouble, obviously. Correct. Um, 
positive. Uh, positive would be we have, I created this, I met with, um, we're super, I'm super lucky because I had no idea that I was going to inherit Todd Johnson as a middle school baseball coach for my program. But Todd Johnson, he had coached at Detroit Catholic Central Hockey for like 22 years. And like as a seventh grade coach, like you don't really expect that to be your seventh grade coach. This dude has like 11 state championships in hockey, maybe more, I don't know how many, but a lot. And so like he knows a thing or two. Like he coached Brandon Arado at CC, mm-hmm. who's now the head coach of Michigan Hockey and has them in the Frozen Four. So it's safe to say this guy knows what it's, what it's like to be a coach that's successful. And um, we had our first coaches meeting. Again, all these things happened like really quickly, like super quickly. Our first coaches meeting was like four days before tryouts, which was also like two weeks after I was hired. And I didn't know anybody. It was basically like, hey, all these guys are going to stick around and stay with the program. And they're willing to. And I didn't have enough time. I mean, you're talking two weeks for the season. A, no one's going to have enough time to, to let their employer know, hey, I'm going to be a baseball coach this year. And B, you're not going to take guys who are coaching elsewhere three weeks, two weeks before the season. That's just not that's not how you do it. Right. So I met Todd and didn't really un, didn't really know what I, what I was getting in at first until he told me all these things he told me. And one thing he said was he's like, hey, have a phrase, have something they can rally around and something that's like a positive language that I think guys can say and that uh, it creates like an environment just by saying it. And so I came up with this whole go devs thing where um, the girls, you'll red devils and saying go devils and like, let's go red devils. Like it just didn't flow. And, you know, Todd was like, Hey, create a phrase, create something that's easy, yada, yada, yada. So I switched it to go devs and it was like, go devs is the thing. And I didn't know how that was going to go down. I showed up and I told the kids, Hey, let's say go devs. Like, let's, you know, let's, it was it was much more natural and organic, but I knew going into the year I wanted Go Devs to be like our phrase. And when I say it's caught on, I mean like they love it, man. And so that's been the most positive is seeing them rally around it, and it's like really affected our team chemistry. I think early early on and our bonding early on. And it's not like these kids lack any of it. They've known each other for for a long time. Like I said, we have a lot of sophomores, and a lot of juniors, and these guys are all very similar in age. So it's not like we have a bunch of seniors and like a few sophomores who don't know each other. We have a lot of like middle, you know, underclassmen and juniors who have you know grown up together on the island. So school dev thing's been great. So it's good to see that. I'd say it's the most positive experience. Negative losing to West Bloomfield thirteen nothing was tough. Um, you know, we scheduled that. <laughs> We scheduled that game. Uh, I scheduled that game before the season started. And here's the thing. I don't say, oh, I shouldn't have scheduled that game. I said that as in like, I've been coaching for a month. I'm trying to think of a negative experience. It really hasn't been like terribly negative. I would say the most negative is, is like finding A, time, and B, like unknowing when doors and you you coach at a school with 550 kids and there's one gym and there's like 10 sports teams in the spring um you track and women's softball you know softball and there's baseball and there's all i mean there's just a lot going on for one gym when there's bad weather so i think jv softball all these things are going on at once and it's a lot or like soccer like all these things are going on at once so it's hard to find time it's hard to find space every in the state can relate to that um you know, at our school, the D2 school, only having one gym is hard, you know, because we have we, we not we might not have many kids in relative to D2 and that we only have like 550. But like relative to the area, like Wyandotte has two gyms, two games, a weight room, two batting cages, balconies with batting cages, 
two mounds, a whole equipment room full of stuff. I'm not saying that they have like extraordinary advantages there, but that's just a, like a, a quick, easy comparison to what we have, which is, you know, very, very little as far as facilities go now. With that in mind, in the next two years, we're supposed to get turf and all these facility improvements, and we're really excited for it. But in, until then, you know, we're trying to work some things out and, you know, balance our way there. Um, but the West Bloomfield thing was just a matter of like, hey, let's schedule as hard as humanly possible. I learned that from Coach Greasebaum, and I think people downriver don't want to do that too much besides like Woodhaven because they well first off Woodhaven has the talent to justify it but most people just aren't comfortable getting beat up and it's not like not saying I'm not speaking down and like how our coaches schedule around here I'm just saying like it's not our line of thinking in Downriver to like schedule the brother Ices of the world and the West Bloomfields of the world that are like top 15 teams right like Woodhaven does that I think Trenton does a good enough job of doing that but like aside from that it's usually around here viewed as like a waste of time because you're yeah I came in very optimistic and very like, hey, let's make this as difficult as possible and as challenging as possible, which was 100% my line of thinking and my money with all this. So I don't regret it by any means. However, when you're down 7 nothing, 30 minutes into your first time as a head coach, you are humbled, my friend. <laughs> and that is a experience. <laughs> that qualifies as an answer to your question. Um, you know, So, again, it was a negative, positive experience. There was a positive, negative um, But if I had to pick one so far, who answers? Fair enough. Um, it seems that for the sake of uh, updating folks on the show, it seems like we're not going to get Ike tonight. Um, I know he had a, a prior engagement that I thought was going to end a little bit before. Um, thought was going to end a little bit earlier than it, it seems to. No big deal. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and push him to next week. We will talk to Ike Irish. Don't worry. Um, especially because I think Ike has some things to say about the MHSAA, uh, which, as you know, Favorite, favorite part uh, of the show. But anyways, um, Brandon, I, we're pushing an hour now. I think we can probably wrap unless we're missing something. No, I don't think we're missing anything. I think we're good. Um, you know, uh, I, um, I, we have games next week. If that's something we want to touch on before yeah. we go, we play Allen Park on it. Tuesday. Yeah. And um, fast track in the league play. We got Allen Park on Tuesday. Allen Park's a great team. I think everybody should pay a lot of attention to them. I don't know who their district is, but they're a strong team that returns a lot. They have great pitching staff. They're always solid. Gulliver's been there for like an eternity, and he's a great coach. They got a brand new facility, all turf. You know, first of all, having turf at your facility is like an auto, like you get to become better because developing is just about a hundred times easier. Um, sounds silly to say out loud, but then like you get it and you're like, Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Nope. This is definitely easier. Um, so Allen park Tuesday, and then we play Southgate Thursday. So a little, we're doing our little, our downriver carousel, Lincoln park, yep. Allen park and Southgate. So, um, so yeah, it'll be fun. That's, that's, that's next week for us. And then we get in the league play with Jefferson. And the rest of the state will heat up as well. As teams get home from spring break. Um, when is Easter next weekend, whatever it is, uh, we'll be, I think we'll so. be talking. Yeah. WrestleMania we'll, is this weekend. Scott's out. So is, uh, I, I don't know. I can't <laughs> friend's birthday party. I don't, whatever. Anyways. Happy birthday, um, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who invited uh, the show has gone off the rails. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, once we get once we get rolling, we're probably a couple weeks away still from the updated Super 25, which is who cares? No one's going to move off of going 1 and 0 or 1 and 1 to start. <laughs> I was just saying like, maybe what is I was just saying like who cares that it's a couple weeks away? We're not moving anything. 
Um, we're not doing anything with it, but still a couple weeks away. We want to let teams get get some games under their belt. Would love to get to a ten game sample or something roughly for each team while we uh, while we do that. But anyways, Brando, folks can follow us on Twitter. It's Cold Weather Bats on Instagram at Cold Weather Bats. Shouts out to Super Producer Raj Castillo as always. Um, please remember to like, rate, and review the show. I, for one, am certainly looking forward to getting back into the state, watching some baseball this spring. A lot of dudes to see. Uh, I'm going to try and see if I can't find some uh, some dudes for PG National this summer, maybe. Might have to take a look at some 24s. Anyways, really excited for, for high school baseball to really kick into full gear now that the season's finally here. So um, with that being said, for Brandon, I'm Brian. We'll talk to you next week. Woo!